Glory to God. Well, we'll uh, start off this month. I'm going to be uh, teaching as far as leadership goes. And so we will be going down the title of this month would be Manifesting Spiritual Realities. Yeah, come on, right? I mean, did you feel that? There it was, Sean. That, that was all we were after. Wow. So we will be manifesting spiritual realities. The first one is Heidi's curling iron is not on. Spiritually speaking, it's not on. It's not on. We know this by the Spirit and Kylie's back. Anyway, and so we, how do we know this? By the Spirit. Um, anyway, so that, that will be actually the title that we are going with. I, I wasn't even making that up. And so glory to God. I mean... Yeah, for lessons in leading. So let's begin with prayer, and then we will start here. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for an opportunity to come together, Lord. That we, your body, can come in fellowship. Lord, that we can dine at your table, eat of the bread of life. Father, we thank you that you have set before us a plenteous, uh, an overabounding, uh, more than enough. You have given us, Lord, all of our needs. And they, Lord God, have paled in comparison to anything. You have so overwhelmingly blessed us. And Lord, we know it's right here in the presence of our enemies. We thank you, Father, that we can find intimacy with you. And Lord, that you feed us and that you speak to us and that you whisper in our ears. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that leads us, guides us, and teaches us. In Jesus' name, amen. And so glory to God. Yeah, so, so this is the first one of the four. And what we're going to do today is, if, if, if you're going after that subtitle, um, would be, do you understand? Do you understand? You know, because the only way that I've found to have a conversation, this is amazing, is when people understand. I know, right? Deep thoughts. I mean, if, if I was speaking to somebody in Korean, or they were speaking in Korean, and I was speaking, we're going to have to go to hand gestures and stuff like this, but we're going to have to get to a point of understanding something, like, you know, something has to get to the point that there's an understanding, because at that point, we are now communicating. We're having a conversation. And so, have you ever had, I'm going I'm to have to read some of the things how the Lord had me write this, because it's really better than when I ramble. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and felt like they did not understand your perspective? Oh, yeah, come on. Everybody has. Yeah. You don't want to go away with it with either one of you confused, though, right? You've, you've done this. You're like, ah, I just, I need to leave, but do they know what I mean? Or did, ah, right? We, we get in that place. Yeah. But so you don't know if you should just repeat yourself. Anybody ever done that? I'm just going to repeat what I said the first time because apparently that will do it. I heard from the other side would be if we do the same thing and expect a different result. So let's just repeat ourselves. Right? Yeah, right? Or do we state it again in a different manner? Okay, scratch that. Let's come in from this side. And we're going to, because we're, we want a conversation here. We want to communicate something. So we want to clarify it with added information uh, to what was already spoken. We love to have a good conversation. Conversation is a talk between two or more people. That's Webster's. I wrote that into my thing. Yeah. 
I thought you guys would like to know, just so you know, conversation is a talk between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. And so, and if you are like me, you really want to know that your idea made it inside of the noodle in front of you. That's what I want to do. I just want to hear. And so I used to have this uh, idea, thought, um, whatever, a belief. That's what it was, because I was acting on it, and you act on your beliefs. And so I used to have this belief that if somebody would just repeat back to me what I said, then I communicated. I have found out that parrots would talk to me. I would have a productive conversation with a bird if this is true. And so I can no longer think that just because somebody repeats it back to me, they know what I'm talking about. Right? Ugh, horrible. And so, oh, don't bump this too far. A, a, a true conversation, a successful conversation, is between two or more people. I must receive information as well as release information. Whoa, that's like giving and receiving. Never mind, we're not going there. So, what's James 1 9 says this? It says that you are quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Well, now, here's an interesting thing. So, you've been quick to do things, right? But have you ever been quick to listen? How do you listen any faster than you guys are listening right now? I mean, did I do it? Did I make you quicker? What, what did we do? What makes you quick to listen? Well, see, what would make you quick to listen is what allows you to engage yourself, which means that you're going to lay down your ideas. You're going to set aside what you want to speak and interject. You're going to take the time to focus on what is being said and receive it. You have to understand them. But, as I stated, I'm the one that wants to be understood. But James told me that I have to be quick to listen, slow to speak. And it's really interesting that he went to and slow to become angry. So if you're in a conversation with somebody, any conversation that ever got to a place of anger right, probably means that you did some talking. Oh, yeah, huh? What? You mean if you just sat there and listened the whole time, though you were probably really angry, you probably never would have manifested quite as much? Other than, other than, we would start to close up. Fists, arms, eyes, you know, you're rolling into a ball. You're rejecting them. But, so this is interesting because I've watched some things on leadership and stuff like this. People that are great public speakers do this. Did you know that? I open my hands to you. I say things like, I smile at you. I move a lot. I use my hands to talk. These are great public speakers. People love them. They're like, wow, what'd they say? I don't know, but I really liked it. You know what was most exciting? That one person, they told that one joke that I don't even remember the end to, but it was funny. You know? 
Or, wow, it astounded me. But, you know, the kids. So what do they teach you to do when you walk out on stage and stuff like this? What's everybody do? Wave. What are you doing? You're opening up. What are you doing? You're submitting. We're not going to go there yet. Anyway, um, you're, you're, you're surrendering. We're still not going to go there yet because we're not going to. We're talking about manifesting spiritual realities. And so we look at this and we receive that, 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 that James said in James 1.19, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And so we actively lay down our agenda so that we can now find unity. That's what quick to listen is. We lay down our agenda. Wow. Um, to utilize the fruit of patience that God sowed into every born-again believer. To elevate someone to such a place of value that you care about what they say. Holy smokes, is that how you would have a conversation? Actually caring about the person in front of you? Oh, yeah, huh? Whoa. So, I would, <laughs> so that they'll know, I mean, I would even dare say that you actually, actually love them. Because no greater love has a man than this, than he who lays down his agenda for a moment and listens. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> what? Okay. To... Uh, to love them enough to understand their perspective and where they're coming from first. Now we can guide somebody from their place to our place, but we started where they were at, not where we were at. Um, interesting, I heard one guy say this. He goes, he goes, biggest failures in his entire parenting was when he was a uh, Quick to, quick to speak and slow to listen. Biggest parenting failures. Quick to speak, slow to listen. Greatest parental monuments, moments, when you were quick to listen and slow to speak. You'll find your greatest parts. So, surely this mere step of laying down one's life for another will be quick to listen and slow to speak. I know this gets us to a prosperous conversation. We'll understand the person speaking. I now realize, though, that the only person that I was thinking about in that conversation was me. Let's turn to Philippians 2 real fast. I'm, I, I have to set some groundwork to head into this, where we're really heading today. Philippians 2, verse 3. Says this. It says, "Let nothing be done through selfish ambition." Whoa, that started off pretty close to where I was at, um, or conceit. But in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. This would have a good conversation. Would you like it if you were esteemed first? Well, I know we always want to be first, but who's last in the kingdom of God? Those who wanted to be first. <coughs> Excuse me. So how do we find ourselves to the front of the line in the kingdom? We're willing to be last. Verse 4. Let each of us look out, for, look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, 
who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Does this sound like what I'm talking about? When we're having this conversation, we're just trying to have a dialogue, but we now, to establish a good conversation, we must take on the humility of Christ, remove our reputation, and step into the earth suit that's in front of us to lead them to the deity inside of us. Manifesting spiritual realities. Verse 7. He made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. My selfish pursuit of only putting my thought into another person's mind. That's where we started. I'm not saying your thought was wrong. I'm saying your way of doing it was. Our actions, our behaviors, are our manifestations of who we really are. Everybody believes in savings. Everybody wants a future. Everybody, right? Everybody would say they want to be a good parent. They want to be a good husband, wife. They want to be, you know, a good employee. Those are all things that everybody wants to say. I can go out in the world. And find that. I do not need to be in the church to find people to say those things. So, um, my selfish pursuit of only putting my thought into another's mind. But to listen first, I must humble myself to the point, even maybe the point of the cross. I guess that what I'm saying, that saying, you know, about two ears and one mouth, it actually works twice as much hearing as we do speaking. Um, A healthy conversation, though, will produce in itself great results. The words that are sown will produce just as the words of creation, like the Father. You will produce from the unseen into the seen realm. They, your words, produce the life from which they were spoken of. And so, let's turn to James 3.13. Who among you is wise and understanding? We just got to hold that for just a second. Who's wise and understanding? Wise and understanding, wise and understanding. Okay, let him show, okay, wise and understanding person is going to show something. By his good behavior, wise and understanding person will show by his good behavior. His deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. So we know that his good, de- his good behavior shows up in deeds. Hmm. Okay, in the gentleness of witness. The, the, the gentleness of wisdom. The word is anastrophe in the Greek. That is so shown there for the word behavior. Not, none of this really matters to you. But the word is translated here as behavior. It means behavior, conduct, manner of life, or way of life. So, you know, you're, we'll find out who's wise and understanding among us. Understanding. How did we have this good conversation? We understood their perspective. Jesus had to get an understanding of mankind. So he set aside deity. And came to the earth. He got an understanding. 
And we show it by their good behavior, by their, con- by their good conduct, by their good manner of life, by their good way of life. Jesus showed these things to us. Okay. The behavior, though, is our conversation. It will continue until we have an understanding. Now, we're going to start to see Paul's conversations here. We're going to look at a couple of these things. Um, so you guys can uh, go ahead and jump to Philippians 3, which was just a little bit away from where we were, 3. And so, and so we'll continue to have an understanding. We'll engage right now in Paul's conversation, and we'll see what it looks like to practice a behavior, to practice in conduct, to practice in our way or manner of life. We've we got to have a practice here. So uh, Philippians 3, 17, says this, Brethren, join in following my example. Oh, behavior, conduct. Here it is. Join in following my example. And note those who so walk. That means also like me, yeah. And as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often and now tell you after weeping that they are the enemies of the cross. Ooh, that's, that's a little brutal. Yeah. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their behavior. Okay, I do not have... A uh, day where I'm going to tell you about all the bad things on this subject. So pay attention closely to verse 19. This is your one and only shot at all the negatives that you're going to, we're not going to focus on for the next month. So, whose end is their destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame. Whoa. And who set their mind on earthly things, we're going to manifest spiritual realities. Yes, okay, we're still there. For our citizenship is in heaven, we're going to manifest spiritual realities. I just want to keep saying this because it really fits. Yeah. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies, who put ourselves down here. We did in the first place. Transform our lowly bodies that it will body that it will be conformed to his glorious body according to the work by which he is able to subdue all things to himself. So <clears throat> we see that there's behaviors here, there's mannerisms, there's conducts that are uh, going to be examples of where we're from, our beliefs. And so uh, Corinthians 11.3 is actually what I'm calling my uh, go-to uh, scripture on this. This is our key verse. This is uh, not the one that you wanted to post up, you know, in the beginning, but I did. Um, because, of, because of what it says, it says, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 11.3 says this, But I want you to understand <laughs> that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of a woman. And God is the head of Christ. The head, the head, the head. Hmm. To know, to have knowledge that the head of every man is Christ, the head of every woman is man, the head of Christ is God. There's a principle in headship that allows this to work. It's submission. Submission is what we're defining today. Submission is the answer to manifesting spiritual realities. 
This is the key to it all. We all have a free will. It was given to us. There's two kingdoms to choose from. We're just going to walk down through this real fast. Two kingdoms to choose from. One of darkness that kills, steals, and destroys. That's a kingdom. Choose. One of light that has life and life more abundantly. It's a kingdom. We choose. Our free will will place us within one of these kingdoms. The other, the, the, the will of a person is, is expressing their kingdom thought, their master, the one that they have bowed before, willingly or unwillingly, because to choose one is to not choose the other. We'll press into this a little bit more. Okay. These kingdoms find two places of external expression. We have kingdom of dark, kingdom of light. There's two places that they're expressed in a physical realm and a spiritual realm. Follow that? I'm, I, I, I just, the Lord had to just, I don't know why he walked me through all this, and he just had me build it. So we're just going to build it. We have two kingdoms, and there's two places that they both manifest. The realm of the physical and the realm of the spiritual. The veil between those two is very thin. Very thin. But it does exist. We find that them are the two external expressions. The, the, our physical world is a temporary world. The spiritual world is an eternal world. So that means that these two kingdoms have within it a way to manifest in the here and now physical or manifest in the long, explicit, eternal. So they can find expression. That's just what these kingdoms are. They also find an internal exp expression, personally, between in us. And we would call this expression flesh and spirit. And they do war and have enmity within us. So these kingdoms are always clashing. Whether it's internal or external, one of the kingdoms are being expressed within us at all times and around us. You are from one of these kingdoms. Uh, Romans 8 1. Uh, for some reason, I thought I could quote, and I probably could, but I just dropped it out of my mind. Not 8 1. I want 8 7. Yeah, I knew it wasn't 1. Um, because a carnal mind is in enmity against God, for it is not subject. <laughs> this word's going to come up a lot. Like in almost every one of my scriptures, because it's on submission. So we're going to use it. Um, not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. The carnal mind cannot be, cannot be subject to the law of God. What? The carnal mind is in enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So the only thing that we had to do was erase that thing. 
We had to remove that carnal mind. We need to have a conversation where somebody started on our point and took us to his. Okay. The free will is very much the same as it was at creation. It, your free will, can be placed over or under an idea, a thought, or a suggestion. Which the, the people that went to Ramah, Doug Jones always said that. He said that those are the arrows, the fiery darts that come against your shield of faith. The arrows that the enemy has, the things he launches that he showed up in the Garden of Eden with Eve. Is he said, hey Eve, that fruit over there, did the Lord say this? That's just a thought, an idea, a suggestion. It looks good for food. And, that, and then, did he make her sin? No. He did not, like, headlock her and shove an apple in. She's sinning! He didn't do it. He spoke, and he slipped away. And it says that Eve looked upon the tree. What? She looked. It said she considered that it was good. For She considered. And she took of it and ate. All the devil's after for you to do is to have the thought. It's all he wants you to have. He just wants to barrage you with thoughts. And so where do we place those thoughts? In subjection. We say, Christ, kingdom of light, kingdom of the spiritual realm. What do I do? How do I find life in this? And he speaks. And he tells you to put that into subjection. Make a whip, clean a temple. This vessel needs to be cleansed. So once in place, once our free will is in place, you'll begin to manifest from the position you chose. You chose it. Um, Matthew 6.24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And so we see that this is how the Lord told me. I love it. This is what he said. So if you're going to take notes, this is one thing that you could write down. I think. I don't know. Maybe it's that good. Uh, maybe I'm just tooting my own horn. Uh, as to the level of submission given will be the level of authority released on your behalf. Lord, you can have this much of my life. Well, then that much of God's going to have to show up in your life. Lord, you can have all of my life, and he will show up. See, we can see that there's an honor system that's been created within the Word of God because I know that when Jesus went to his own hometown, he could do no mighty work there. Why? Because they said, we know that you are Jesus, the son of Mary and Joseph. You have a brother, uh, Simon. You have a brother, Judas. You have a brother, uh, 
Simeon, and you have a brother, James, that are all here amongst us, and we even know your sister. So the amount of authority, or what they gave to him, they, they submitted themselves to him, and they received amount of miracles in their midst. Right? So, what are we going to do? What if the lame man never took up his mat? Would he have ever walked? Okay. Well, okay. We're going to keep going here. So, anyway, I thought it was really good when the Lord told to me. I was like, wow, that's awesome. The level of submission given will be the level of authority released on your behalf. So, at one point, and we're going we're gonna to keep building this just a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm dabbling with what's in front of me, but we're not there yet. Uh, sin was our master. We already know this. Let's, if we just jump into Romans again here. Romans 8. We're right back into Romans 8. We know that uh, sin at one point was our master. I mean, this is leadership. You guys have a choice that you're here for a reason. Um, you're, you're growing, and, and you are not novices at any uh, way, but we do have... Everybody needs to learn. Uh, Romans 8, 19 says this. It says, For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility. Ugh. Not willingly. Ugh. But because of him who subjected it in hope. A glorious, confident expectation of good. He subjected me to it for my good. You understand chastening when you understand that. You understand the crucible when you understand that. You understand exalting in tribulation when you understand that. You will understand the glorious hope of a confident expectation of good. Verse 21, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty, from bondage to liberty, ugh, of the children of God. For we know the whole creation groans and labors with pangs together until now. Until now. That's what happens. Sin ugh, came upon the earth. And you've groaned getting out of bed. I, I was stretching a moment ago. I mean, my, there, and when I do this, back here there's a groan, um, you know, and things like that. Just, it's just interesting. I mean, there's, there's just times, I mean, sometimes it's, uh, uh, you know, whatever. We're glorified, glorified, liberty, liberty, liberty. Anyway, uh, no, I, when your muscles are free, they move. Huh? When your joints are free, they work. Liberty, liberty, manifesting spiritual realities here. Okay. Um, but we've all been released from this bondage because <laughs> we were lost. We're in futility. We, we had vanity. I mean, it was, it was vain. It was worthless. It was wasted. Um, Romans 8.15 tells us why or when it happened. Um, well, I, I love verse 14, so let's just throw it in there. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God... These are the sons of God. I just, you just got to say it once in a while. Come on, just put it inside. You just say it. You know, I'm led by the Spirit of God. I'm a son of God. Glory to God. It just, it's just good. Okay, now 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again. 
Whoo, yeah. You do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom the spirit of ado- or by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Glory. Glory. Father God. Father God. Father God. Father God. Oh. Anybody ever listen? For me, that's one of the words I love. I I love the word father. I know some people say daddy and they feel like it's close, but I I love the word father. I I mean, it has, there's wealth, there's power, there's dignity, there's respect, there's so who, because a father, a real father, a father of fathers, I mean, he's the father to the fatherless. He's, He's my father. Phew. Father God. Abba, Father. So we've been released from this bondage. We are not subjected, submitted to sin any longer. So let's look at something uh, Old Testament. I'm just going to show you an example. All I'm after today is a... We can't do it, okay? So it's not, gonna, it's not huge. I only got so much time. And, and I'm, I'm good at taking time. Anyway, is defining submission. We're defining this, and we're going to look at a couple more uh, scriptural references here, but the only way that we had to understand why, why would we submit, we have to understand that we were trying to get a perspective across. We're trying to have a conversation with God. He wanted to move us from one place to the next, and so he came and met us where we are so that he can take us to where he is. And so, if we look at Numbers, the book of Numbers This has things about this. Numbers chapter 15. Numbers 15 verse 38. So this is Moses here. He's he's talking to uh, Aaron, I believe. I believe it's Aaron. Yeah, well, Moses is talking for sure. I can guarantee you that. So the Lord spoke to to Moses and said, in verse 38, it says, Speak to the children of Israel. Tell them to make tassels on the corner of their garments throughout their generations and to put a blue thread in the tassel of the corners. We would call this ornaments, right? Just something hanging there. But this is a purpose. God does everything for a purpose. Everything for a purpose. He has an intention in mind. And you shall have the tassel that you may look upon it And remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. Okay, we're going to remember this. And why? That you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined. He knows. I'm inclined to things. I have a flesh. And it, it doesn't desire the greatest. Your eyes are insatiable. You can't, I mean, there's things that you will never, you, once you think you've filled them, it's only for a temporary time. They will want to be filled again. And that's why people become more and more perverse. But if we can look upon the glory of God, we can see ever brighter things. We can go from glory to glory. We can start with something we saw dimly and we can move into clarity. We can move into the kingdom of God. The principle works both directions. Um, 
Verse 40. Well, I'm going to reread that part in 39. Um, that you'll look upon it and remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them, that you may not follow the harlotry which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined, and that you may remember, see, God's doing it for our benefit, that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy for your God. He wants you holy for his purpose. He's, desi- he's creating the avenue. Come into my holy of holies. Come into my presence. This is, I'm drawing you. If you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. I'm here. This is how it works. And so we see this. And we, we see that those, are, those tassels are there. And it helps keep our master singular when you look at that tassel. We don't see both worlds. We don't see both kingdoms. Because when we see double, we have double vision. And what is a double-minded man? Unstable. So he's saying, I want you to stay singular in vision. Look upon the tassel. See the blue thread. So you focused on further than just the tassel. There's a blue thread. Let's look into that. I want to stay focused. I want to stay focused on the kingdom of light. I want to see focus, stay focused on the spiritual realities. I want to stay focused on my spirit nature. Because I can't serve two masters. I will hate one or despise one. And if I follow the inclination of my own heart or my own eyes, I won't be following Christ. I'll find myself errant in my ways and astray. So we find that these tassels help make our master singular. It was a visual reminder. Um, Let's go over to Numbers 14, just a couple chapters back. Numbers 14, verse 6 here. This is interesting. So we have Joshua and Caleb here. They're going to make their appeal to the Israelites. They just came back from spying out the land. This is their appeal. Listen to how they speak and say this appeal. Um, so verse 6, but Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunan, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel, saying, the land we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. What's God have for you? Just say it, exceedingly good land. Know your future. Know where you're going. Stay focused. Stay focused. Verse 8. If the Lord delights in us, and, he, and then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Verse 9. Listen to, very carefully to this. Only do not rebel against the Lord. One master. Nor fear the people of the land. Two masters. One master, the Lord. Second master would be the people of the land. 
Neither do only do not rebel against the Lord nor fear the people of the land, for they perspective. Let's keep it spiritual. They are our bread. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Let's focus on a tassel. I've been given something here. So we see that they had to choose their master. And they chose wrong. The people did. Crazy thing is, you know, Moses gave the people an opportunity. Joseph took the land. Or Joshua took the land. Joshua did not ask the people if they were going in. He told them they were. There's a difference in leadership. Just so you know. Just, just anyway, just throwing that out there. That's a leadership thing. So, we'll jump back over to Romans. We're just, just playing in some of these. I, we're going to be in James like crazy too eventually. But just, yeah, all right. <laughs> okay, uh, Romans 10. We're going to go back to Romans 10. Here. Romans 10. Says... Uh, verse 3. Eh, no, we're going to add two in here. For I bear them witness that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Okay. We already see somebody here. He's bearing witness of this, so that means he's testifying of it, right? I mean, that's what a witness does. They testify to it. I called you as a witness, and yes, they did. They were there, blah, 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 blah. Okay, so he bears witness to this, that they have zeal for God. This is all good so far, right? He says that you have zeal for God. You have a, a passion, a desire. You are after. You are. This is for God. Whoo, yes. And then, then that, that three-letter word comes in, but um, not according to knowledge. Um, you ever have everybody all get together and they really want to play a game, but they don't know the rules yet? Is that some, is that, does that frustrate anybody else that whole time? <clears throat> it, it, it just, my, can you just slow down for a second? Let's just read the rules. I don't, no, 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 we're going to, no, just come on, come on, we can do this. Anyway, it's just, just the reality there. Um, <laughs> that's zeal without knowledge. Okay, zeal without knowledge. Okay, verse 3. For they being ignorant, that would be the zealous person without knowledge, is just ignorant. They're not stupid. They're just uninformed. They don't have knowledge. Ignorant, they don't know the rules. It doesn't mean that you're not going to win the game, <laughs> right? It just means you don't know the rules. Yeah, we're, we're ignorant. I, I, I plead ignorance many a time because if I play, plead stupidity, I just defy the mind of Christ working within me. Okay, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness, holy smokes, holy smokes, we can't go there, and seeking to establish their own righteousness. Whoa, 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 whoa. What do people typically do when they have a lot of zeal and no knowledge? They'll always tell you that they're right. Seeking to establish their own Rightness. You could say rightness. You don't have to say righteousness. I mean, I know it's a Christian term, but for anybody you know younger, could say rightness. 
We're all right. I'm right. They want to establish their own rightness. But now we've got to finish the scripture. Have not submitted to the righteousness of God. So what's a major righteousness issue? Self-righteousness. Yeah, it's right there. Anyway. So we find that we, if we would submit ourselves to God, we would have his righteousness. That's a perk. Verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone who believes. You're not held up against a measurement anymore. You're held up against a position. You've been placed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Not to be earned or attained. And now self-righteousness has died. How do we do these things? That wonderful thing called free will is still in place here. We have to willingly receive it. It's very simple, but it's the only thing. Do you realize that your free will, it says in the word of God that there was Jesus landed at Gennesaret, got out of the boat, steps onto the land, and a madman comes down and runs and kneels at his feet who's been naked and chained, right? He'd been bound. He screams and cuts himself in the tombs. And he kneels and says, Master, and he pled for Jesus. And Jesus sends out a legion of demons. The free will of a man is stronger than a legion of demons. Unspiritual, unsaved, whatever you want to say, this is just a man can move the demonic hand off of his life when he submits it to the power of Jesus. Your free will is the access point to submit yourself to the wealth of heaven. I don't even know if I wanted to say it now, but I know this. I wrote this. Yeah, I did write it in here. Submission. Your faith depends on it. You will not have anything. Your faith will be nil if you have not submitted to Christ. In any arena. Nothing. This is mandatory. You will manifest a spiritual reality this way. <clears throat> I uh, probably am just going to have to close this down here. Let's see. Uh, yeah. Let's. I'm not. I'm going to get into the full definition of this. And you don't get any of that other stuff. Because um, what time am I supposed to be done? Yeah. Yeah. I can't jump into the next thing. We'll be done. <laughs> yeah, we got next week, but next week's not supposed to be this. Um, okay, well, we're going to have to pray because I, I have to close down. There's no way. We don't get to go any further right now. So, Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that we can be submitted to you and submitted to your word. Lord, we take our free will. 
and we express it just as we did upon our salvation. That, Lord, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through you. We believed it. We confessed it with our mouth. And we manifested the reality of salvation within us. We thank you, Father, for giving us free will, which is divine access to heaven. And we thank you that we can use it at our will at our leisure. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com. 